Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Well, my name is Sean Wadiemi. Most people know me as Sean, but I prefer Sean, if you can pronounce that. <laughs> and everybody's surprised. They thought, hey, I thought everything was good, and then all of a sudden, kaboom. It's because those conflicts have been there forever, but never addressed. He wants this, but she wants this. He wants a bigger house, but she wants a nicer car. Well, how can you have those conversations that um, to find a middle ground? Second word is even worse, shame. If anyone gives an answer before he hears it, it is his folly, a wisdom word, and shame, that's a moral word. Because there's no conflict. And oftentimes, just like he said, um, something so minute, something almost completely unrelated happens, and all of a sudden there's an explosion. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. Introduce your host, Sean Adeyemi, President and Senior Financial Planner at SA Capital Advisors. Welcome to the Dollar Savvy Show. I am your host, Sean Adeyemi. Thank you very much for joining us once again. If you missed our previous episodes, you can find it at sacapital.ca slash podcast. You can also find it on iTunes, Google Play, or many podcasting apps. Now, on the last two episodes, we spoke a lot about communication with your spouse. And continuing on that theme, one of the central keys to effective communication is being a good listener. Communication is not only about you speaking, but also about listening to what the other party is trying to tell you. It means not making assumptions about the other party, but really trying to decipher what's on their heart. Now, over the next two episodes, you'll be listening to an interview I had a few months ago with Pastor Don Simons of Wesley Heights Baptist Church in Ajax, Ontario. This episode is anchored in Proverbs 18.13. If one gives an answer before he hears, it, it is his folly and shame. In this episode, you'll learn about the folly of responding or reacting before truly understanding what your spouse is trying to tell you. Why we all need to learn to listen, as listening is an unnatural thing for fallen men to do. Our natural tendency is to listen to ourselves, think the best of ourselves, and make assumptions that puts the other party in a lesser light. Listening helps us truly discover if there's an actual conflict or whether you both might be saying the same thing, but just expressing it in different ways. And why conflict is not a bad thing, and we should not avoid it. Matter of fact, avoiding conflict is detrimental to your relationship. And also learn about avoiding the silent killer in your marriage. Towards the end of this interview, we talk about three tests you can take to find out if you're a good listener. I hope you stay tuned, listen in, and I believe you'll be blessed just as I was. And here's my interview with Pastor Don Simons. 
Thank you for joining us today. You're listening to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. It's your host, Shewan DME. And today we're going to be talking about very, a very interesting topic on learning to listen. And we have a very special guest today with us in the studio is Pastor Don Simons of Wesley Baptist. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Glad to be here. I, I met uh, Pastor Don, what, about two months ago now? Yeah, I think it would be about two months ago, I think in August. Yeah, sometime in the summer. And um, he came to Harvest, uh, formerly Harvest, now Redemption Church um, in Durham. And he talked about um, learning to listen. And because we've had this conversation going on, you know, money and marriage and getting families to work together, I thought having him in the studio would really be a great idea because his sermon was, I learned a lot from it personally, and I think um, a lot of our listeners will learn a lot today as well. But before we get into that, can you um, just tell our audience a little bit about yourself, um, your family, sure. your church? Sure. My name is Don Simons. I'm married to a beautiful woman named Sandy. We've been married 34 years and have four grown married children who are a joy to our heart. I spent most of my career in business. I worked for IBM for over 20 years, owned my own business for 10. And then in 2011, God called me to the ministry. And, oh, wow. Uh, I was just a deacon in the church with no pastoral background, <laughs> not a single day of Bible school. And they called me to be their uh, senior pastor. And uh, I can honestly say that the uh, past eight years have been the happiest years of my life. Wow, and that's has since amazing. gained some pastoral experience, I hope, and uh, earned a master's of theology from Heritage Seminary. And uh, I really love my new life as a pastor. Wow, that's, that's amazing. Uh, thank you so much for the work you do for well, the body of Christ. It is an honor. I, I say to my wife every day, I can't believe they pay me to do this. Uh, the metaphor I use for being a pastor for my wife is it's like when you were a kid and you woke up and you realized it was a school day, but it's a field trip. So you still have to go to school, but hey, it's a field <laughs> trip. It's going to be fun. And going into work every day, uh, I going into church every day to serve the Lord, uh, I, I just feel is a field trip every day. Mm. Amen. Amen. So uh Let's let's talk about what you have for us today. You know, learning to listen. I, I really love that love that sermon a lot, and um, I think that it's it's something that we all struggle with from time to time. Um, especially, I mean, regardless of whether you've been married for two years, five years, or twenty years, it's something that the Lord has to const constantly um, remind us of and train us. But um, I'll let you I'll let you take um, take the mic. Yeah, well, I appreciate you asking. The sermon really came out of my own personal experience and realizing that I was not a particularly good listener. Um, when people were talking to me, even when I thought I was listening, I was really listening to myself. I have an internal conversation going on in my head and uh, I'm not really listening to other people. Uh, and I came across a verse, uh, it's Proverbs 18:13, that says, if one gives an answer before he hears, so here's someone giving an answer before mm -hmm. they hear, uh, speaking to an issue before they know all the facts. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Hmm. And that really hit me ton like a ton of bro bricks, uh, especially those last two words, folly and shame. Folly is kind of a wisdom word. Uh, folly is the opposite of wisdom. If wisdom is living wisely, Folly 
is living unwisely. Unwise. Yeah. And so what this verse is saying in the first instance is if you're constantly giving an answer before you've really heard, if you're responding to someone before they've heard, you've really heard their heart, you're living in a very unwise way and you're attracting pain into your life. Bad mm-hmm. things are going to happen. And then that second word is even worse, shame. If anyone gives an answer before he hears, it, it, it is his folly, a wisdom word, and shame. That's a moral word. Um, if we answer before we hear, it's to our shame. It's a moral failure. It, it is a disappointment to God. And I just came under the conviction that I was a poor listener. And as I live life, I've come to an equally strong conviction that almost everyone is a poor listener. Oh, I definitely have a lot to learn from that because just like you rightly said um, initially, sometimes we're having, <clears throat> having conversations in our head, even though we're listening, and we're listening to respond rather than really trying to listen to hear what the other person's saying. Exactly. So here we're in a, a sound studio right now. We're doing a podcast. I've never done a podcast before. So the voices in my head are saying, am I being interesting? Will your listeners like this? Uh, How many people will download this? As much if I listen to those voices, I'm not listening to yours. And if you're in your head saying, gee, I wonder if this is making the point and what will be the next question that I ask and how many, how long have we been recording? Mm -hmm. The more you're thinking about that, the less you're listening to me. And uh, I think that listening is a very unnatural thing for fallen man to do. I think our natural sinful tendency is to listen to ourselves and ignore others. And that spells folly and shame. And that's really where the sermon came from. Yeah, and I think it's a it's a really important conversation to have because I work with a lot of families and couples, and it breaks my heart a lot of times to see the pain where um, the husband is doing one thing on the other side on, on his own, and the wife is doing something else, and they both can't agree. And I see that they both have the they both have the best intentions, but the husband thinks ill of the wife because he thinks this is what she wants, and the wife thinks this is what he wants, but I'm looking at the, the situation I'm here is you just you guys just need to listen. You're both saying the same things, even mm-hmm. though it's, it sounds different. You both want the same things and learning to listen um, would would eliminate or at least reduce a lot of this problems and conflict that families and couples are having when it comes to money. Yeah, it, it very often does. I found that uh, when people, particularly couples, really learn to listen to one another, one of two things happen and they're both really good thing number one is we talk and we find out as you were just intimating we don't actually have a conflict here Mm -hmm. we're actually kind of saying the same thing we're on the same page we thought we had a conflict because you express it this way and i express it that way but as we actually listen to one another turns out we don't have a conflict the second thing that can happen when we're listening is we find out that we do have a conflict And that's really good because now we know what it is. If I'm hearing you correctly, you feel we should spend our money in A, B, and C. But I feel we should spend our money in D, E, and F. Now we have something to talk about. Mm -hmm. Very often when we're not listening, we really are in a genuine conflict. But we can't identify what precisely are we disagreeing about. Why do you feel the way you feel about this item? And if I don't know what 
you're saying, and I, I don't know why you feel what you feel, it's very hard for me to have a conversation with you about this. So listening will do, learning to listen will do one of two things. It'll reveal the fact that we're not actually in conflict. Or it'll reveal the fact that we really are in conflict, but if it does that, it'll define, this is what you're in conflict about, this is why you feel this way, this is why the other person feels this mm -hmm. way, and now you have some very fertile ground to have a loving, Christ-like, mature conversation about it. I find that a lot of times we even av avoid the conversations because we're trying to avoid the conflict, but it's almost... It doesn't make sense because does, avoiding the conflict doesn't mean the conflict isn't there. It's just sweeping it under the rug. Yeah, that is the verbal equivalent of taking illicit drugs. Why do I take illicit drugs? So my problems will go away so that I don't have to think about them. The problem is the problems don't go away. Mm -hmm. They go away for a time, but they're feeding. <laughs> While you're on drugs, they're feeding. And when they come back, they'll be even bigger. It's the same thing in conversation. I don't really want to have this conflict with you. And I know if we had the conversation, we will have a conflict. So we just won't have the conversation. Well, that buys temporary peace. But the problem is the conflict is probably getting deeper and bigger and worse. And then when it finally... This is why I think some relationships experience an explosion. And everybody's surprised. They thought, hey, I thought everything was good. And then all of a sudden, kaboom. It's because those conflicts have been there forever, but never addressed. And then someone pushed the detonate button, and all the explosives that had been building for mm -hmm. years were ignited and kaboom. I remember I was talking to one of my friends recently, and I was telling him this. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Right. Right, because um, I would ask about, you know, how's his marriage? How are things doing? And he's like, okay. But I know they're not because... Um, we're, as a, we're, we're good family friends and we talk about he, I'm good friends with him he's, um, his wife is good friends with my wife and they talk a lot and he said things are okay but based on the little my wife tells me I know my wife doesn't tell me a lot but she keeps telling me get him to talk about these things and address it but he thinks things are okay because there's no conflict and oftentimes just like he said um, something so minute something almost completely unrelated happens and all of a sudden there's an explosion right because that conflict has been underneath all the while everybody's smiling we're okay almost walking in eggshells but there are issues that need to be addressed but are not being addressed yeah and that really illustrates how um not communicating even deepens the problems further because let's say I'm very upset with my spouse and there's a particular reason for it. She has a habit or she's done something or she said something, but for some reason I'm very upset. But I never tell that to her. I never say, hey, did you really say this? And what did you mean by that? And I thought we'd agreed not to do this or whatever. I never say that because I don't want a conflict, but I'm on a slow burn. I'm playing this over again in my mind, mm -hmm. how she did this, and I can't believe, didn't we just say we weren't going to do that, and how could she do that, and so she's completely unaware of this internal dialogue, because I've never told her. I've never communicated with her, so she believes we're at peace, let's say. And then all of a sudden, she does some little thing, and I fly off the handle.
Mm-hmm. To me, this makes perfect sense. Because I've got a context. I've been mad at you for two months. Remember when you do this? Da, 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 da. I have it organized in my mind. My blow-up is completely reasonable. It, it is what you should have expected. It is totally justified. To her, that looks random. Like, why are you doing this? Like, we were fine. And you're getting upset over this one little thing. Why can she not understand my behavior? Because I was not communicating. For me, this isn't about the tiny little thing that detonated the explosion. Right. This is about the thing that happened two months ago. But from her point of view, you never told me. We never communicated about that. You never shared your heart on that. So this is why I think couples surprise one another. And I know you're particularly interested in helping couples deal with their finances. Oftentimes, underneath a financial surprise is a failure to communicate. Right. And the, the financial surprise comes up and one person is not surprised at all. They totally understand why it happened. But the other person is totally surprised. Why? Because they weren't communicating. What one person knew, they didn't share with the other. And and that goes back again to what we've been talking about as couples working together. You need to have these conversations and where do we want to go in life? What do we want to accomplish? And what are the things in our heart that God has placed in our heart? And how can we do that? It's not a case of this is my money, this is your money, this is our money, and these are the things that we want to do. And in that, there will be there will be conflicts, there will be a, a difference in opinions where he wants this, but she wants this. He wants a bigger house, but she wants a nicer car. Well, how can you have those conversations that um, to find a middle ground? Well, first of all, you have to have those conversations. And just because you, you cannot address an issue right away doesn't mean you stop having those conversations. You keep having those conversations so you can come to a, a middle ground because that's what that's what marriage is about. It's about compromise. It's about laying down for, for husbands, for us. It's about laying down our lives for our wives. And, and for, for the wives, it's about serving. We're both serving each other. When Christ said, in, uh, when, when Paul said in Romans, he said we should um, owe, owe nothing, owe no one nothing except for love, meaning that we should be trying to outdo each other in love and service. But going back to learning to listen, there are a few things you, you, you mentioned during um, that sermon that came to mind. You, 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 I want you to talk about that for a second. I remember you, you mentioned something about you wanted to sell a, a cottage or um, you, you remember that conversation? I do. Can you, I do. can you talk a little bit about that, please? Yeah, uh, in, in the sermon, uh, I just shared a story, which I'll share here, uh, that just embarrassingly reveals how poor of a listener I was. And I tell the story to others not to beat myself up, but as an illustration of what you can expect if you don't listen. And the story kind of goes like this. Uh, My wife and I uh, have had a trailer uh, at MBC, a place called Muskoka Bible Center up in Muskoka near Huntsville. Mm -hmm. And we have been there for 25 years. And uh, we homeschooled our children, so the children would pretty much spend the entire summer up at NBC, kind of from May long weekend to Labor Day. It was a huge part of our life. Still is. And uh, they, all their friends were there. Um, it was just a really increasingly important part of our life. But as the kids grew up, they went to university, and they were spending less and less time with us in the summer. Uh, My expenses were increasing because I had to pay for this university. They were in the U.S. and paying for three university educations in the U.S. all at the same time was expensive. And so I said to my wife, 
um, you know, I really think that we need to sell the trailer because I think if we, it, it's a beautiful trailer. It's a 12 wide by 40 feet long. It's got a beautiful deck and patio room. It's more like a cottage. So I thought we could probably get $30,000, maybe a little bit more for it. Um, plus, it costs us about three or $4,000 a year to have it up there. You have to pay rent for the land that the trailer's on. So I kind of said to Sandy, you know, hey, the kids are using the trailer less and um, we need the money more. And I just think it's time that we sell the trailer so that I can get the $30,000 and not pay the three or $4,000 rent every year. And frankly, I'm kind of in charge of the finances in our home, not meaning I make all the financial decisions, but I do all the tracking. Mm -hmm. I'm the one that downloads the statements from the bank and categorizes everything. And she's never had an issue with this before, so I anticipated her response to be, oh, that's really too bad. I, I really wish we didn't have to sell the trailer, but if you think it's necessary, I guess it's necessary. Well, she didn't say that. She said, I think you're wrong. And there's where my first opportunity to listen was. I could have said, what part is wrong? Why do you think I'm wrong? What, a, what am I missing here? I didn't say that. I got my back up. In my mind, I'm saying, how dare you think I'm wrong? And how would you know if I'm wrong? I'm the one that balances the books. I'm the one that looks at the bank accounts. I made all these You don't track the numbers like me, so... That's right. So where do you get off saying that? So mm -hmm. rather than sharing this with her, I just started to fight with her. Well, I'm sorry. We do have to sell the trailer, and I know more about money than you do. And the conversation just kind of kept escalating. Um, the, the escalation that I took it to is I began to question her motives. Uh, you you want to sell the trail? You don't want to sell the trailer because you enjoy it. You get to spend the summer up on the beaches. Your friends are up there, and you don't really care if the kids are up there or not. You're smart enough to wrap some God talk around this and say it's really for the children and it's very important to them. Um, but this is all about you. This is just a, this is just an act of selfishness. Mm -hmm. You're trying to justify your own selfishness. You don't want to sell the trailer because it would be better for you. And by the way, have you noticed that I haven't been up at the trailer lately? Want to know why that is? Because I've been working my butt off trying to get enough money to keep up. This is the kind of state that I was in. Mm. I'm lecturing. Mm. I'm making statements. I'm not asking questions. Mm. I'm speaking. I'm not listening. And so the conversation just got out of control. And frankly, and, and happily, we were both wise enough to realize we weren't headed anyplace good. So we both said, this conversation is very unlikely to lead to a good place. I know we haven't resolved the issue, but let's just stop talking about this now. We'll come at it again later. But we'll come at it, come at it again later. Yes, so you by both which have... I meant I would lecture you again and, have you <laughs> a, and give you another opportunity to see how right my point is and how wrong your point is, which is exactly what I did. So conversation two was just a replay of conversation one, and we came to the same realization. This isn't going anyplace. Conversation three was the same. I knew we had to resolve it, and I was smart enough to take this to the Lord. And I was just praying. I was just praying, Lord, uh, please give us peace in our marriage. Please give us wisdom. That's what I was actually saying to the Lord. But what I meant was... Please have her agree with me. Yeah, please fix my wife. She just doesn't understand. Um, she's being stubborn. Um, I'm being as patient as I possibly can. Please fix my wife. That's not what I said, but that's what I meant. But the Lord said to me in this prayer time that, hey, you're not listening. 
To which I said, of course I am, Lord. How, here's her points. How do I know her points if I'm not listening? And the impression I got is, yeah, you're listening, you're listening to your wife so that you can defeat her points, not so that you can understand what she actually said. She's showing her, you her heart, and you're trying to win an argument. And Proverbs 18.13 came to mind. He that listens, he who gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. And rather than asking Lord God to fix my wife, I asked God to forgive me. I repented. Hmm. And I went back to my wife and I said, honey, I, I have really been convicted. I don't know whether we should sell the trailer or not. It still makes a lot of sense to me that we should sell the trailer. But that's beside the point. The point I'm trying to make right now, hon, is I was not listening to you. I was arguing with you. The only time I was listening to you was to give me the ammo that I would need to, to defeat, to rebut, and to re repeat, to uh, re uh, defeat your arguments and win my way. Can we have a fourth conversation? And I promise that my only goal is to understand your heart. And so, if we decide at the end of the conversation to sell the trailer, but I understood your heart, that's a win for me. If at the end of the conversation we decide not to sell the trailer, but I understand your heart better, that's a win for me. If at the end of the conversation we can't come to a decision, but I understand your heart, that's a win for me. I promise that that will be my goal. And here's another promise, hon. I'm going to make no statements. I'm just going to listen. And if I do speak, it'll only be in the form of questions. And there'll only be questions aimed at your heart to draw you out more. To clarify so your to thoughts. To clarify. Yeah. Do you mean this or do you mean that? Do you mean September or do you mean October? When I'm genuinely confused, I'll ask a clarifying question, but that's all I'll say. Can we have the conversation? And she graciously agreed. And I began to see that she had a deep conviction that MBC was not finished ministering to our children and that I had a preoccupation with money and that I reacted out of fear a lot of times that you know I would try to mitigate financial risks which is good mm -hmm. but I would do it out of fear and she never told me that before um, in the conversation she said you know hon I know you're not an idiot like when you say we need the thirty thousand dollars I don't think you're just making that up when you say that we have to spend money on all these American university bills, that makes total sense to me. Like, I don't think you're making up the issue. I just don't think this is the answer. To that problem. To right. that problem. And then she said something very interesting. She said, if I could find a job that would pay us, just a very part-time job that would pay us three or $4,000 a year so that you don't get the $30,000 from the sale, but you also don't have to pay the pay rent, mm -hmm. could you make this work? And I could see that she was serious, and a, a, a pang of guilt began to appear in my heart because I thought, wait a minute, if I'm right, and this was all about her selfishness, why is she volunteering to do something I know she doesn't want to do, get a job outside the home? So I thought about it, and I said, yeah. I could make that work. If you will find something that will pay us about $4,000 a year, it's only $1,000 a quarter, so that I no longer have to worry about the rent, I will figure out how to do this without the $30,000. $30,000. That's right. 
And I said, well, hey, what do you, by the way, what do you think you're going to do? And she said, I don't know. Uh, you know, there's a grocery store near us. Maybe I'll be a cashier there. And the pang came back mm-hmm. again. She doesn't want to be a cashier. That, that's not her, uh, not her talent. That's not her passion. And if this is all about her selfishness, why is she willing to do that? Well, I agreed, and uh, we were up at NBC not too much after that, and she, Sandy, my wife, was talking to one of her friends at NBC, and the friend who works at NBC said, oh, my goodness, my life just got really complicated. Oh, why is that? Because I'm head of housekeeping, and one of our housekeepers just quit. So Sandy said, could I do that? And they said, yeah. So... Sandy came back and told me, and the pang got even stronger because Sandy is not a messy person, but housekeeping is not her passion. Our house is fine, but this is not Mm -hmm. where she finds her identity. And she's not a late sleeper. Sandy would probably get up at 8 in the morning, but she's not an early riser. And this job, she had to get up at 5.30 or 6. Wow. So I'm thinking, wait a minute, why is she getting up at 5.30 or 6 in the morning to clean other people's toilets if this is all about her selfishness? And I just felt convicted that I had missed a big part of my wife's heart. I had made all sorts of unspoken assumptions because I wasn't listening and had made decisions based on the wrong conclusions that I was drawing. Well, just to finish off the story quickly, she did so well at that that they gave her another job, uh, managing the little general store that they have at NBC, which was much more in tune with her interests and passions uh, and paid a lot more. And that led to an acting director's job, uh, acting manager's job, and that led to a manager's job. And now I'm happy to tell you that she still works there, and she doesn't earn $4,000 a year. She earns $30,000 a year. And it's very fulfilling for her, and it was just at the time where the kids are going to university. We homeschooled our children, as I mentioned, so our children were the center of her life. Right. And then they leave. She needs a new she needs center. something else. She to needs do. a new way to contribute to the body of Christ, and God gave it to her. And I get, instead of the thirty thousand dollars for selling the trailer one, one time, time, I get the thirty thousand dollars every year. year. Years after that, God called me to the ministry, and I wasn't making the same kind of money as making at IBM. And frankly, that thirty thousand dollars is really important to us. And I think the the message to me. And the message to anyone who cares to listen is that when we will always have difficulties. No matter how good your relationship is, you're both fallen people, we live in a fallen world, you're going to have difficulties. Mm-hmm. But if we can learn to listen to one another, we will find solutions to these problems that are bigger, better than the solutions you have in mind. Sandy's solution was just don't sell the trailer. Okay, how's that solve the financial problem? Right. My solution was, well, let's sell the trailer and get the money one time. Well, how does that solve the problem for our children? When we actually learned to listen to one another, God brought us a solution that was far better than hers or mine. And then just the last little postscript on the story is uh, three of my four children found their mates. Would you like to guess where they found them? <laughs> the trailer? MBC. MBC. That's right. And they found them after that conversation. Wow. So what would have happened if we had done it my way? What would have happened to us financially if we had done it Sandy's way? We need to learn to, to listen. listen. And this is so important in money matters, as you say. It's, 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 I mean, 
just listen to your story again is convicting for me because uh, we may do all for a while and learning to listen and then we stop listening. Just like you said, no matter how good your relationship with, I have an amazing relationship with an amazing wife, but I constantly have to tell myself again, you know, to listen to her. What's, what's in our heart? And I think that's what most marriages most couples need to do today especially when it comes to money because money is such a dicey topic it's so it it, it, it can rob a lot of it can rob us of the wrong way and especially if you've made mistakes in the past or you've done things that has either hurt you or has hurt your family that we just tend to sweep it under the rug and and not talk about it and not have these conversations i think that is so dangerous uh, as a matter of fact, I, I think I, I do a fair amount of counseling in the church, and it, often it has to do with listening and sometimes financial listening. Um, and I had three tips that I give to people regarding listening to each other, specifically in regards to finances. May I give them to you? Please go ahead. Uh, and But just before I do, one of the things I do in counseling, when I sense that the problem is we're not listening to one another, I will very often bring it to a head in counseling by asking the following question. So that was part one of my conversation with um, Pastor Don Simons. We will continue this conversation on the next episode. You don't want to miss it. Where Pastor Don Simons shares three very important tips to couples regarding listening to each other when it comes to their finances. Now, coming up next, don't you touch that dial, is Couples Corner with Leslie and Stella, where they share their financial journey, their struggles, and their successes. For those who don't know, Leslie and Stella are very good friends of Good, very good family friends. I think I've known Leslie for what, maybe like fifteen years or so now. Uh, I've known Stella, oh, yeah, yeah, right, just about, yeah. And I've known Stella for probably around the same time they got married, which was twenty thirteen. Correct, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's correct. So, for those who don't know who Leslie and Stella is, are rather, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I, I think I already said how long you guys have been married. How many children do you guys have? I know, but for our audience. Oh, I guess, yeah, I guess I'll start. Um, So more or less, uh, so we've been married about six years okay. now. Uh, we have uh, two kids, Theodore and Zoe. They're five and three. Yeah, Theo is in um, JK, and in September, Zoe's going to be starting uh, JK. So, I guess, uh, what else? What else you guys want to know about me? Um, Actually, it's our anniversary coming up next weekend. So, Oh, yeah, that was yeah, the next one I was going to say. Yeah, That's years. right. Congratulations, guys. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's, um, you guys are one of my favorite, one of our favorite couples. That's why we love to hang out with you at least almost every long weekend that we get the chance to. And uh, it's one of the reasons why I wanted you guys to come on the show and just tell us a little bit about uh, not just yourselves, but um, – Handling money. Uh, one of the things I've seen with you guys, for instance, is that you handle your money together. Uh, so let's go with Stella for a second. Stella, how would you describe each other in terms of spending and handling money? Oh, 
Um, well, uh, thank you for having us on the show, and um, we are very happy and grateful to be here. And uh, when it comes to money, um, how do we handle money? Um, you know, when it comes to marriage, it's a, it's a very um, interesting journey uh, for for both of us, and I'm sure for everyone. But uh, we have decided to keep our money together. Um, as one, just as God has called us to be one uh, together in this relationship. So, yeah, right now we have a joint account and uh, we, um, I think um, uh, when it comes to um, how do we handle money, I'm not sure if I'm a spender or the saver. It, it depends. It depends um, what we are talking about or, um, for example, I don't like eating out, spending money to eat out a mm-hmm. lot, but I, I I enjoy spending money on 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 um, expensive things <laughs> like uh, houses, <laughs> um, making my house look pretty. Um, I don't really care about cars, but I care about houses. So I think yeah, that's what make me different from Leslie because I think he his spending will be different, and I'm sure he will share that Leslie, with Leslie. How about you? <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, I guess for me. Um... I'm not really much of a spender. I know with me, usually if I'm going to buy something, I have to think about it like three or four times. Sometimes I may go to the store like a couple more times just to make sure if that's what I want to buy. And sometimes it's even just for things I actually need for work. Um, I actually take some time to think about it, think about it, then then I buy. But there's been a few times, uh, I think, especially when I was single, I used to splurge on tech, like technology because uh-huh. I always wanted, you know, yeah, you know how, you know it, how is. it is. <laughs> I'll try to get uh, the best, uh, like the better computers and like little things like that. Right. So that's that's yeah. actually a very rare dynamic where you have two, um, a couple who are both, I would say, not spenders. It's usually one or the other. One's a spender, one's a saver. But in your case, you're both, I guess, not. Well, I guess you're both savers somewhat, but. You spend it depends on what it is. If if it's something you find value in, for instance, you Stella, you said you you like houses. You like making sure your houses looks beautiful. So, I mean, I guess that's a good thing. Now, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if if it helps your if it helps increase the value of your home, then why not, right? Um, it helps keep your home that's right. maintained and you retain the value, so that when and if you do decide to sell it you're not spending a lot of money on renovations and whatnot. So I guess that's a good thing. It's better than spending money on uh, things that depreciate in value or worth. That's right. Mm -hmm. So a question for you, how has the way you've handled your money changed since when you got married and now? Because I know, for instance, before I got married, and between now and when I got married, the way I handled money has had to evolve because of my spouse. Can you tell us a little bit about your story in terms of has anything changed really between how you handled money before you got married, right after you got married, and where you are right now as a couple? Yeah, um, that's a, that's a very good question, and I was expecting this to be one of the questions to answer too. And um, definitely, there's a significant change in um, how I personally handle money now, and even how to think about it, and how we I talk about money. Mm-hmm. Um, before, you know, independent, single, hardworking, um, 
every income you make the decision on on how much you want to make and how much you want to spend and how much you want to save um and you know you just do whatever you want and as i said um you know investing was my priority um or savings was a priority to me but once you're married um now you have to share and discuss every move mm-hmm. you make and i had to actually now i'm still growing in that area to discuss and um, be honest about money and, um, you know, how I think about money, how I see money, how I understand money, um, to make sure that it is in line with, um, what my husband, um, think and see money as well. So it's, it's a significant change. Like, uh, I can give many examples, but, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's challenging. I just have to be very open and, and share, mm-hmm. um, and willing, very willing to, to, um, you know, when it comes to spending, what I find important to myself versus what's important for the family um, on how to spend that. So, yeah, it's, it's challenging. It's, it's different. different. Leslie, how about you? Well, for me, I, I know before I got married, I, uh, when, it come, when it came to paying bills, I always, I didn't do the minimum. <laughs> I always, I paid a little bit more, but I didn't mind it rolling mm-hmm. over month to month because, I mean, I, I really didn't care too much. And I don't really think, I think only saved maybe just a little bit at the time. Didn't really think too much about it. But um, yeah, after we got married, uh, it, it was a it was a difficult change because I mean now we own a home and you know we had to put not only just pay the mortgage but also try to pay a little bit extra. Which personally for me, it didn't sit right with me. I'm like, this extra money, I can save. We can save it. I can buy a car or something or buy something nice that I like. So it's, it's <laughs> taking um it's, it's taking a little bit of getting used to, but I mean after going through the whole journey, you know, about um the best like what will be the best way to spend our money and also with kids in the picture and just with everything else. Like uh things have started to things are already making sense and things have started to make sense. So it's more prioritizing what's what's important now than, you know, fleeting I guess, uh, toys and things that basically buy, I buy today and probably next week, I'm not going to use right. it at all. Yeah. So have you guys faced any significant challenges since you've, um, in terms of merging, I would say maybe either your personalities when it comes to money or uh, any major fights that, you, that or any major fights or challenges you guys have had and are there any you're willing to share and how have you how did you work through it and how have you grown through it oh yeah <laughs> we've been through quite a few actually <laughs> a few arguments here and there, a few challenges here and there but the one that mainly comes to mind was um <clears throat> this was just uh, like when we got married so like our first year we got married um a few months, I think about six months after that, I yeah, was May to October. Yeah, so in October I was laid off from um one of the companies I was working with, BlackBerry, and that was quite a big change. And that's when um Stella was also going to school and she was pregnant at the yeah. time. So during that time, it was it was a big change because it was, it was actually the first time I've been laid off work. I mean, I had worked there for about five years. Right. And, you know, during the whole thing that they went through, 
it affected us. And of course, we also decided to do a bathroom reno yeah. at that time. <laughs> so you can tell, you can tell we weren't spending the money properly at all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, through that, um, and trying to get back into the job market it took me a while to look for a job. Um, I think about, so I got let, um, laid off in October and it took till February, I believe, January, February, for, until I got another job. And it wasn't as good as where I used to work. I mean, I still was grinding it out, trying to make a little bit of money for the house. And honestly, after like three, four months there, I decided, you know what, I think it'll be a good time to go back to school. Mm -hmm. So I talked to the place I was working and if they could accommodate, you know, my schedule and also going back to school and they said it wasn't possible. So of course I just decided, you know what? I'll drop the job and go back to school. And <laughs> well, <laughs> they don't know where money was coming from. So it was, uh, I think I took a eight, it was an eight month course in, in construction right. and oh, we, were, we were struggling. We were, it was, it was basically living off um, what Stella was making from a, a mat leave. Wow. That must have been all the way through for about, for about eight months. Yeah. Just living off very, very little mm. with nothing else coming in. So we had to basically button down the hatches. We got rid of cable. We got rid of quite a few other things that we used to have. So I think for about maybe two plus years, we didn't, we basically didn't have any, any uh, TV. We just basically- Any luxury activities were deleted. Yeah, a lot of things. <laughs> we didn't go out to eat. We didn't, we didn't do a whole bunch of things. So through that, we actually, we learned quite a bit about uh, managing our money properly and things like that. I mean, and after all that, you know, I, I was able to get a, a better job and through that we started growing and actually even when money started coming in uh, like it was before, we still didn't just spend anyhow. We actually uh, sat down to pay off bills, to pay off debts, to pay off um, still a schooling and all that. So that's that's definitely one of the most significant things that's happened to us. Well, that's amazing uh, because the fact that you went through a period where as a as a man, you were not earning an income. And, and I know for us men, sometimes mm -hmm. that can be really tough where you're in a situation, your, um, your wife is the one earning the income. And I know sometimes that can do a lot of hurt to our pride. And in some cases, mm -hmm. in some marriages, uh, it can lead to further, uh, bigger mm -hmm. fights that sometimes can even hurt the marriage even more. But in you guys' case, yep. you've you buckled down, you talked about it, you had these open conversations, and you've worked through it. And by God's grace, you're on the other side, which is really amazing. And happy to hear that. What oh, yeah. what advice would you give any couples today who might be struggling to find that unity, to find that oneness, to find that common ground with their spouse when it comes to money? Stella? Um, well, I always say go back to your vows, right? You and most couples probably said for better or for worse. And um, when the worst comes, that's not a time to run. That's a time to cling on to each other and remember the good times and work through the hard times and work together as a team. Um, and the team is more than yourself. It's you and your spouse. And trust that your spouse has your best interest at heart and you have your spouse's best interest at heart. And maintain that respect. Don't let um, one losing their job bring any separation. Um, join yourself together. Um, keep pushing forward because when you're on the other side, it brings joy. 
Um, and as you guys mentioned, um, I just want to reach out to the ladies. Um, we have to, um, I hope I did. Um, uh, yeah, this is a good time to actually find out. I hope I did maintain that respect during those times that there's no pride and, you know, pointing fingers and saying I'm the, uh, the, the breadwinner. Um, your team you're working together mm -hmm. and right now um as he said we've come on the other side and you know by god's grace we are doing much much better um we continue to grow there's still many challenges in finances because as we both come from different um way of handling um finances so we are still growing together in that area that's the word there keyword still growing together yeah leslie yeah I think yeah, just for my part, it's more um, just be open and honest with with the money, because I mean, regardless what happens, because there'll be certain things that will happen that you're not going to be happy with. But as long as you you're open and honest with it, like, and on the first when it comes up, just be open and honest. I think that goes a long way. It, it may take it may take some time because I mean, depending on um, temperaments and things like that, some people get over real quick. Some people take time to think about it and pray about it then the, then you know more or less your eyes will be open to what's going on but it's just about being honest with with each other with everything because i mean we're in this till the end mm -hmm. uh whether, <laughs> whether we like it or not it's like what i'm um, still was saying it's in the vows you know for better for worse for richer for poorer and all that it's it's we decide to to get in this together so we have to be open and share everything even the even the struggles and the hard parts not only not only the joys and the successes but everything that's really awesome mm -hmm. thank you very much for telling us your story this has been couples corner real stories real people real struggles real challenges but real hope Leslie and Stella, thank you very much for joining us on today's um, segment of Couples Corner. It's been a pleasure. Oh, yeah, thanks. Thanks, thank buddy. You. Thank you for having us. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. You can find us at sacapital.ca slash podcast. And you can reach us at one triple eight. 365-8883 extension 377 or send us an email at podcast at sacapital.ca You've been listening to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. I'm your host Show Me. Thank you. Madden and Mitchell Media 